Welcome. You are now tuned in to Real Estate Investing Women podcast. Laura and myself, Liz, are a mother-daughter team that has a combination of lifetime experience as Laura has over 33 years of experience in the real estate investing business, but also with a modern vision and approach by myself, Liz, a newer investor of five years. Combined, we created a winning formula. We are dedicated to empowering women as they start the real estate investing journey by offering a supportive community of like-minded women, up-to-date training and strategies, and showing you how to build a real estate investing business of your dreams around your lifestyle. We are going to share with you the real deal as it comes to real estate investing. So listen in, and today we will address a specific topic and answer your burning real estate investing questions. Be sure to email in your questions to be featured at questions at realestateinvestingwomen.com. Let's get started. Just one thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is uh, Sujata Shiam. Is that correct? Yeah, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> Great. And uh, she is going to bring uh, a topic today that I think a lot of you are going to find great interest. I know a lot of you have been asking me about short-term rentals, and she's going to actually specifically talk about how she went from a W-2 job to short-term rentals. And then we're going to talk about our things as well. But welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. It's really wonderful to be here with you and your audience. Yes, thank you for taking the time today. Uh, So let's jump into it. Um, So how did you get into real estate? What happened that made you transition from a W-2 to investing in real estate? Absolutely. Well, I had a bit of a history dabbling in real estate. Growing up, my dad had three single family home rentals. And so I had his example to follow. It was like a second job for him, but I knew that it was something that he was doing outside of his regular software engineering job to kind of shore up the family's finances. And so I had that kind of background. And then when, as I started to get a job, I graduate from college. And I started to think about knowing that I wanted to start buying real estate, but even with his example, I still really had no idea how. And then um, what happened actually is I was in business school and I went to a speaking event and I went to this event by this woman who started the nonprofit Kiva.org, which is a nonprofit that provides microloans to entrepreneurs. It was at the time it was women business owners all around the world and in developing countries. And so to help them gain, get capital so they could get their businesses going. Anyways, long story short is she started this amazing nonprofit using her student loans. And she told us, she said, use your student loans as a source of capital to get whatever it is you want to get started going. And Gosh, I took that message to heart and I just decided I'm going to find a way to use my student loans to do something entrepreneurial. And I didn't know what that was going to be at the time, but it ended up being purchasing a single family home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I was going to business school at the time with a friend. So I partnered up with a friend, which is, you know, that always helps. It can help who you work with. And then we purchased a home. It was a two bedroom home. We purchased it for $20,000. It was 
lucky, but you know, fortune favors the bold. We figured out a way to do it. And so that was how I very first, so I, we purchased this property, fixed it up over the summer using our own sweat equity. And it was um, a big learning process. And then we ended up renting the house for five years and then selling it later on. So that was my very first real estate deal. And I did it with absolutely no money. Um, like literally I just had my student loans and I didn't have a job and that's how I made it happen. So that's kind of was my first foray into real estate, you know, and, and we can talk more about how I got into short-term rentals later on. Right. And uh, yes, I like that, you know, the fact that obviously you were in a business school, right? So that was kind of a good uh, internship for you to even do that. It's part of doing business, how to really grow and be in an entrepreneur. So great. And um, so then uh, what happened after that? You, you finished school, obviously, and then you went into corporate, right? Yeah, I definitely went into corporate. So, you know, I, I took the safer path. I actually could have continued to just live in Pittsburgh and continue to buy houses and renovate them and do the entrepreneur thing. But at the time I lacked the mindset that I needed to see how that would actually be possible. Like I didn't actually know how to leverage other people's money, how to put deals together, how to create systems so that we can make it scalable and actually have income. I just really didn't have that mindset. And I ended up taking a job and I'm, you know, that I'm glad I did that because it brought me back to the West coast. But what I took a job in was working as an underwriter of multifamily acquisitions. So large multifamily projects actually in the affordable housing space, so much more kind of complex deals than I, most of us look at today in this space that I'm in. However, it was a really good training ground for analyzing multifamily real estate from an institutional equity perspective. Mm -hmm. And at the same time though, I didn't actually have entrepreneurial mentors working at the bank. So it was a bank and we would purchase these affordable projects as part of our Community Reinvestment Act requirements. And um, working at the bank, I didn't have what I needed to give my give meaning to the work. I didn't really see how, I didn't really want to be in the shoes of my bosses. Uh, I didn't see myself excited about continuing on at the company. And I didn't really know why at the time. There was something missing, which you know we will get to. Um, but yeah, so I went and worked for a bank underwriting multifamily apartment deals without the mentorship that I, I, I knew, I didn't know that I needed at the time. <laughs> right. And I think what you brought up is that, you know, most of us go through some point in their life where, you know, I was in corporate too. And so I can definitely relate to that. And I was doing real estate on the side, like you, I done some real estate and dabble with it before. But it, we get to a point in your life that for some reason, our attention got back to real estate, right? Something happened. So what happened in your corporate to say, you know, you said about mindset, which I believe is important. But honestly, when I transitioned from corporate to real estate, I didn't know much about mindset yet. But if something happened that triggered something for me to say, you know what, that's what I want to do. So what happened in your uh, corporate career to say, maybe a real estate is what I need to get my attention to? Yeah. 
That's a great question. And it, it, it leads into the next part of my journey, which is that at my, at the time I, my mindset was I need to earn more money. And so I, I pushed really hard you know, I need to earn more money. I need to increase my salary is kind of was my mindset at the time. So I pushed really hard to progress in my role and to climb the corporate ladder, which I was able to do successfully. And then at that point, I ended up buying a house and I bought a house and I, I house hacked it and I house hacked it because that's kind of something that people frequently do in Portland, Oregon, the city that I was living in. When you're young, you can buy a house and rent rooms out to other people your age that, you know, want to live with other people and have more of a social living environment. And so I, I ended up doing that. I ended up buying a house and house hacking. I didn't know that term at the time, but I had several roommates and my house was cash flowing from day one. And get this, Laura, this story just, you know, at the time, my boss, I remember going into his office and saying, and he was a really wonderful person. I, but I remember saying, you know, I'm so glad. Thank you for letting me, giving me some flexibility with, you know, the real estate transaction that I just, you know, buying a house and the errands that I've had to do. I just really appreciate your flexibility. And he said, no worries. I got you right where I want you. And I was like, wait, huh? And he said, you have a mortgage now. You have to work. And that honestly was such a light bulb moment for me. I didn't get it quite at the, at the moment when he said it, but I thought about it afterwards. And what I realized that he was telling me was that he thinks that he's paying me too much money for my current lifestyle and that I could just quit at any time and stop working if I wanted to. But now that I have a mortgage, I can't because you know, now I need to work to pay my mortgage. It was just a total mindset um, awakening because I had never even really considered like stopping working, but long story short. So I ended up house hacking the house and, and then I didn't, still didn't decide to quit, but I just thought that that was interesting that he said that, but then my company went through a merger and we went through a I would have had to move to the East coast and I didn't want to do that. And I went through some other difficult things all in a very compressed period of time. You know, if anybody can relate when it rains, of course, and everything fell apart in my life all at once, I went through a breakup. I had an accident and then I got effectively laid off because I wasn't willing to move. And all of this happened in a 10 day period. And Okay, Laura. So one thing I didn't mention is that I was not thriving at work during this time. I still felt like I didn't want to be in the shoes of my superiors. I didn't love going to the office. I didn't see a purpose or vision for the underwriting that I was doing. It just felt like I was a cog in a machine and I didn't have a vision and I was lived for weekends and evenings. And I did so much adventuring on the weekends, but I just I just didn't enjoy my day-to-day life. And I just thought to myself, you know, there has to be something better. But anyway, so then the 10 day period happened where I lost my job. I went through a breakup and I was in an accident all in 10 days. And that was a absolutely the hardest thing that has ever happened to me. And it was also the biggest gift that the universe ever gave me because it gave me a chance to reset my entire life. And so I had some good friends at that time that can, um, they said, you know, Suja, we 
go traveling. Don't get another job. Cause I was interviewing. I was like working the angles. Like I'm going to get job. I'm going to get back on my feet. And, um, I had plenty of offers on the table actually in the same space, but my friend said, you know, just, I had this one friend, she said, just think about a hundred days. Cause I was like, oh, maybe I'll take like a month or two off. And she's like, just think about a hundred days. And so I thought about that and I was like, okay, I'll take a hundred days off from working. You know, I'll be able to get another job. I have an MBA and I've done well in my career. And so I, but I took a hundred days and I just, that in my mind, it ended up expanding from like seven months to two years. I was like, I'm going to be gone internationally seven months, two years. So, you know, this is kind of my journey is sort of unfolding sort of slowly, but that was, it was on that journey, that seven month, 12, 24 month journey. It literally took all that, a lot of time for me to unwind my ideas about what my life was supposed to look like, about not having the security of a check coming every two weeks. And I just, I was having that experience of just being able to live life on my own terms, be able to go to, I went all around the world. I surfed, I danced tango. I rode horses in Patagonia. I went to permaculture farms and met people from all over. And I did it. I woke up when I wanted to, I slept when I wanted to, and I didn't have that kind of freedom. I, I never went on a gap year. All of that eventually helped me realize that like, I just don't want to go back to a job. And I was living so frugally. So I was, I think that's another key thing is that it's hard for people to make a transition to not working when you have experienced lifestyle creep. I had experienced, I never really experienced lifestyle creep, right? Because I was living in Portland and I was house hacking my house. And so I had roommates. And so my house was cash flowing. I was really, really frugal, but still then I went traveling. I was spending even less money. So this leads me to my, you know, this is my aha moment. I'm, we're all leading up to my aha moment. My moment of reckoning happened in a hostel in Patagonia. And what happened was my sister had, I, she had said, you know, my medical school graduation is in May and um, here, this is what it is. And, and, and I told her I'm not coming <laughs> and she stopped communicating with me. Don't worry. We're fine now. We got over it. But um, at the time I was like, I'm not going to go back because I just couldn't imagine you know, I was spending down my savings and I didn't want to make the trip. Like I just didn't want to spend $3,000 or whatever it was to go back and forth. Um, because you know, you know what it's like when you don't have money coming in and you, I just wanted to extend my runway. So she stopped talking to me. And then at that moment, I just, this was my moment of reckoning. I just realized I'm like, you know, I want to be able to live life on my own terms, but I also want to stay connected to my friends and my family and my community. I want to have the freedom. I don't want to feel like I don't have enough to go and do these things that I want to go do. So in that moment, I Googled passive income from a hostel in Patagonia. And that's how I and then I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this whole world of people. This was in 2015 who were looking for past ways to build passive income and build multiple streams of income so that they could live life on their own terms and not have their W-2. And I just got so excited in that moment. And I told my sister, I'm coming home for your graduation. And I, um, and then she came visit me in Argentina and we had a great time and I went home for a graduation and I started my path on entrepreneurship. And so that was really the moment. And I, you know, I hadn't come back to real estate just yet. So I had a limiting belief about real estate. I didn't realize it because limiting beliefs are often subconscious, even though I had 
bought a house and flipped it with no money, even though I had worked in real estate for years, like as an underwriter, multifamily, gaining hard skills at an institutional equity partner, even though I had house hacked and had created a cash flowing property, I did not think I, on a subconscious level, I did not realize that I could make it as an entrepreneur in real estate. It's just wild to me, but I think my years of being at the bank and not having entrepreneurial mentors who had this mindset of like, we don't have to do this this way um, was the thing that caused me to not, to not think that I can make it as an entrepreneur in real estate. So I tried several different things as an entrepreneur. When I came back, I was a digital marketing consultant and that was fine, but it was not, you know, where my passion was. And so that's kind of, I'm going to just pause there for a minute and just like, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I love a quote that says, uh, your breaking point is your breakthrough point, right? So you got to that point in your life where you had this huge reset. And then, you know, and, and what I always say, sometimes you have to take a step away. You have to take a step back like you did to really put everything into the right perspective and then move forward. I think a lot of time people are so busy being busy, right? They keep scrambling and turning and jumping from one thing to another instead of taking the time to say, what's going on here? I need to take a step back and reevaluate before moving forward. So that's what you did. And that's why you got finally to your you know, breakthrough. Great. Um, so now you came back and, uh, so, you know, you did some uh, jobs here and there, and then you, you went into real estate. So you Google passive income, right? And because obviously you are thinking, how can I get income so that I can live life on my own terms? So tell me a little bit then what appealed to you to go from having this corporate structure mentality, your W-2, to really get into short-term rentals. What, uh, what was the bridge there? What happened for you to do that? Yeah, for sure. Well, I tell you, Laura, I did not set out to be a short-term rental entrepreneur. It kind of ended up just happening and then it was working. So I kept growing it. So what happened was I came back to Portland and I came back to my house and I mentioned I had this house that I was house hacking. And so when I was house hacking it previously, it was a five bedroom house. And so that was a lot of people living in under one roof and sharing one kitchen. And so we, when I came back, my manager had done this brilliant thing. She had found a woman who wanted to live in the basement who didn't want to come upstairs. She just wanted to have the basement space to herself and she didn't want to share the rest of that. She wasn't looking for a social experience. And so I had this light bulb moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, my basement is like a mini, it's like an apartment. It's like a studio apartment. And that was a light bulb moment for me where I just, because it meant that, you know, I could share a smaller space because the house was too big for me and I didn't have, you know, partner kids. So I didn't really need a five bedroom house. And so that meant that I could have a fewer roommates and, and, but still have income from that basement apartment. And so when she moved out and, you know, she was there for several years and she moved out to drive her van across the country. And, uh, I was like, what do I do? I, instead of finding another basement tenant, because I just, um, 
I felt like that was a big commitment finding a new tenant at the time. So what I did was I just put it on Airbnb as a temporary strategy to before I was ready to find another long-term tenant. And so I put it on Airbnb and I literally, Laura, I just threw my, an air mattress down there and like nothing matched. And I just, we did, we had a, it had a kitchenette and it had a small bathroom, but I didn't do any upgrades to it. I literally, it just looked so, it looks so ugly. I can't even tell you, but it <laughs> did so well. It was 2016 at the time. So it, it performed like miraculously well. It was getting three times what I was getting for um, the monthly rent. And, and I didn't have, and I just, I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like so much more profitable. And that was just like, it's just a small thing, right? Like at the time I was living very frugally because I was trying to be an entrepreneur. And so going from, you know, um, $700 a month to $2,100 a month for the income for that, that was a big deal. That was like a game changer for me in terms of like having consistent, steady income. And so I was not like an enthusiastic host at the time, but the money was so good. I just ended up having to um, start improving my unit. I, you know, I put a just little by little, I bought a bed, I uh, made it match and made it look cute. And then in February, if a few months later, I was like, okay, I need to put, I need to like redo, I replaced a window and I did the bathroom and I repainted and I made it really cute again. And so I just kept making it nicer and nicer. And that kept improving the guest experience. And, and then I was like, this is so good. I want another, I want more short-term rental income. And Okay. Just mind you at this time, when I was kind of like improving the basement unit, I still considered it my side hustle. I was still thinking I'm going to be a digital marketing consultant and I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. But, and that, and that was fine. I liked being a digital marketing consultant, but what, I really liked being a short-term rental host because it was just a simpler transaction. You know, you're not delivering for high value clients and it was like you could just rinse and repeat, like you could automate it so much more easily and had this consistent income. And so that's what I liked about it. It was just how, how great of a business it is. So then I decided, okay, I want another one. So then I started renting my room out on the weekends, like my own bedroom. And I would stay at my boyfriend's on the weekends. And um, that was my next Airbnb. And that was so good. I didn't want to give that up. So then what I realized is that my bedroom at the time, it had French doors to the backyard. And so I realized that like, I could move into a different room in the house and I could have the guests enter through the back door so that they had their own private space. So it was like another apartment. And so we built another bathroom and now people are, and we built a kitchenette and I did all kind of DIY. My partner is a general contractor. So he was able to help me do it on, you know, in an affordable way. And so then all of a sudden I had two Airbnbs. And at the same time, I was developing my garage into a uh, cottage. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to convert my garage into an ADU. And this process that took three years, that was my first foray into development, so to speak, because it was essentially a new construction project. And I went to historic district. So for those of you who know what that is, it's a, it's very, it can be very difficult to get things passed and go through the design review, et cetera. So it was a three year long process of building that ADU, but then I had yet another rental unit on my house. And so all of that 
even just those three units, um, they created a very strong, I mean, that was, that was a very strong, modest salary for me. And it was still mostly passive. It wasn't quite replacing my corporate income though. So I ended up, um, anyway, so that's how I got into short-term rentals. It wasn't because I chose to, it was because it, I, I just threw spaghetti at the wall and it was working. And so I kept doing it. <laughs> I know that's I like how creative you got from your house and you all of a sudden you had three streams of income of rentals just from your own house. That's very creative, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so then um, you upgraded to having more rentals and also to doing syndication, correct? So tell uh, me a little bit, I don't know if you want to go into the rentals first or the syndication model, uh, and they're probably tied together, but do you want to get into that a little more, how yeah. you went into syndication? Yeah, for sure. So, so really quick. So I, once I had the three at my house, I, at that time I ended up, actually, I went back and got another job and it was, I will say it was. Um, that was painful. I went and got a job because my Airbnb business was growing, but it was just taking a long time. Like I told you that the cottage was taking three years to build. And it, that was just a long time. And I was getting impatient. I was starting to feel like I just wish I had a little bit more money. And I ended up getting another job going back to my same field. And um, the problem was, is that mentally I was already 75%, I would say on my way to like being an entrepreneur and having enough income to support myself. And so mentally I was not really interested in actually working. Um, but I needed to, I felt like I needed to, to, um, also I wanted to buy more real estate. I wanted to buy another piece of real estate and I needed W2 income. And I also wanted to take home equity out of my house and I needed a job to be able to get a home equity line of credit. And so I went back to work and, um, and during that time I was able to purchase a fourplex and this is the creative part as well. I was looking for a property that I could do more short-term rentals with, cause it was working so well for me. So I, it, you know, as many people know, there's a lot of regulations around short-term rentals. You have to be very clear on what your city allows and what you're allowed to do in that jurisdiction. And if you're going to make a business out of it, in my opinion, like I want to be playing by the rules. And so, um, I, if I was like, I'm going to look for a place that I can legally convert into a short-term rental. And so what that meant was I needed to purchase a building in a commercial zone and ideally one that was built relatively new, like, because, um, otherwise you'd have to make all these modifications to the building, which I still have to end up having to make several, but the long story short is that I was able to find a fourplex that was all two bedrooms and it was in a commercial zone. So I could have the underlying, underlying zoning entitlement that I needed to convert the building use to short-term rental. So that was my next big step. And I was able to do that. And then at that point, I realized, you know, it was 2018. I realized that, okay, this is, uh, it's been a really great run. We've been in a bull market for the last six years, but there's got to be a recession coming. Everybody was talking about this back in 2018. When's the next recession coming and what's it going to look like? And I knew that hospitality was not a recession resilient asset class per se. I felt relatively protected in Airbnb because, you know, we weren't as expensive as hotels, but 
it was still, still not a classic recession resilient asset class. And so I realized that if I stopped working on all of my income would be coming from this travel space. And I didn't like that. I wanted to diversify. And so that's when I started seeking out a new business line and that's syndications because I didn't want to just go back to personally. I was like, I don't want to go back to wholesaling or flipping houses. I want to operate at a different level where, you know, we're doing bigger transactions and where there's more scalability and, um, and there's less of the sort of day-to-day property management. And so I decided to go into real estate syndications, which is this very cool um, mechanism by which individual investors can be passive investors and purchase essentially like a fractional piece of an apartment building or a self-storage complex. So I got into understanding what are the recession resilient asset classes that I'm interested in. And those are multifamily, mobile home parks, self-storage, industrial, RV parks. Those are some of the big ones. And then I also started, okay, how can I participate in these deals and be part of taking down some of these bigger properties, 200 unit apartment complex in Phoenix or a uh, 300 apartment complex in Florida, uh, 18 property portfolio of self-storage facilities in Texas. And so I started learning and um, becoming it. And what I realized is that I had the underwriting background from my time in corporate. And so I have a very strong analytical background, which helps me vet deals and vet operators and vet opportunities for investment. And so that's when I decided I'm like, okay, what I have now is I have this business, my Airbnb short-term rental business, which replaced my corporate income in three years. I was able to accomplish that in three years. And it also um, provides enough cash flow that I then w- can take the, the profits from that and invest that and get my money to work for me, right? So my short-term rental, I consider that semi-passive income. It's generating a ton of cash for me. But then the next step is I want to take that cash and I want to put it to work so that I have purely passive income, pure passive income you can get from syndications when you're the passive investor. So you can invest in some, a really great operator you know, and so that's the key is making sure that you know who you're going to be investing with and you have confidence in the deal and the asset class. And so that's what I do now is I vet opportunities and then I invite other people to the table so that they can participate in these same opportunities that I'm investing in, multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, et cetera. And, um, you know, we, that's a whole other topic, but the whole point is, is that I was, I'm now able to, I have my and this is what I think everybody who is should think about as they are thinking about what their goals are with investing is you can make money on your efforts, which is what I was doing with the short-term rentals, although it was semi-automated. And so that means that it generates a lot of cash and then you can make money on your money. And so depending on what your goals are and how quickly you want to get to them, you need to figure out how to build cash. And then you can put that cash to work to help your wealth snowball. And that's what we can do with syndications. Wow. Yeah. There's so many golden nuggets here, right? (laughs) So I wanted to kind of summarize some of the uh, golden nuggets that you shared with us or some of the takeaways is that first of all, you know, the mindset, Um, a lot of time we get comfortable into doing something and uh, we don't just go down this path, even if it doesn't serve us because we're comfortable, we know what to expect until you get to a point that it's just not 
enough anymore. You know, like you said, you got to a point where you were, you know, bored, you were didn't know what to do, you you know, you kept spinning your wheels, and then you decided to do a reset. And and something happens in all our lives where we get to that point, right? The breaking point, as I call it. And then on top of that, so that's important, the mindset, getting to the point in your life where you're gonna make a different decision and move into a different direction. But but once you start doing that, this is interesting too, because once you start doing that, I know that for myself, when you move into the entrepreneurial side of things, you can't go back, you know? Uh, To be an entrepreneur and then go back to a corporate job or a W2 job, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, you can do it maybe for a few months if you have to, but it's not something that's sustainable. And so you kind of went there, but the same token, you were building up this empire, this, uh, you know, real estate venture. So a lot of you that are out there that have to have a job, it's nothing wrong with that, but you're, you're going to get to a point where you're going to start shifting in another direction. And your point was real estate. And Laura, I have to, I have to just tell you, I did not mention this, but yeah. you know, you brought, bring up a very good point. Once you get are on the path to being an entrepreneur going back, it does not work. And guess what? I got fired from that job. After nine months, I got fired. And it was one of the hardest things that happened to me because I think of myself as a high achiever. I've always done well in school and work. And even then, it was it was still challenging. But I tell you, it was again, you know, your breaking point is your breakthrough point. I needed that. And I'm so grateful that I wasn't stuck there for longer because I actually didn't really want to be there. I didn't need to be there anymore. And I just felt like obligated to be there because. I felt like, well, I've been hired. I need to at least add value for three years before I leave. But that would have delayed me by, you know, two years and um, three months. And thankfully, so anyway, so you bring up a very good point. And I did, and, and, and it's one thing when you can look at your failures and then you can say, I am so grateful that that happened. Right. And, (laughs) And you know, cause I was already on my way to being a shooting star as an entrepreneur and it was still felt like a blow at the time, but with time passing and with building up my track record with my Airbnbs and recognizing like, look, I've replaced my corporate income. Now I've, now I have increased it by a multiple of five. And that is just like so powerful to me. And it allows me to just, when I just one one day I woke up and I was like wow I'm so grateful I just like thought about my boss who I you know and I was like wow that was like I just had these fond thoughts about him I'm like oh yeah he taught me about like you know these things that he taught me I just was thinking about them and I was like oh yeah that's so great and like oh my gosh isn't it so great that we're not in that situation together that wasn't working for either of us right yeah, no, definitely. And uh, yeah, when you make that leap into being an entrepreneur and, and your mindset starts to shift because of it, it's hard to just go back into what used to be. And obviously you start thinking in a creative way too. You know, you already did by hacking your house and getting Airbnbs out of your house and expanding. But then also you start thinking about the syndication model which is like, and now once you build your credibility, because that's what happened too, you know, you have to take your strengths from your previous job, from the fact that you have been doing Airbnb successfully, and then you package it all together. And now you build your credibility. So then when you approach other people, 
to invest with you, now you have a track record. And that's what I did too. You know, one, because I've been investing for a few years. So then when I start presenting other people the opportunity to invest with me, I had a proof, right? I showed them as like, okay, I've been buying this property. I've been fixing them up and selling them. These are my profits. These are my closing statements. So once you build a track record, it's people want to invest with you. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to really beg people, oh, you know, trying to make them think or believe that they can do it. No, I mean, the proof is there. I have it. I've been doing this. I want to do more of this. I just need more money. And that's when people will jump on board because you've done that. So I tell a lot of people, if you want to jump into that sphere of syndication, money partnerships, and so forth, you have to start somewhere first and then build up your credibility to that. Okay, yeah. great. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions before we wrap this up is, um, um, what would you say in this whole, you know, transition from W2 to real estate, what would it be the biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I would say, well, I think the biggest mistake that I made was when I flipped that house, I didn't surround myself with the people that I needed to surround myself with to stay on that path, right? Like I, because I, I mean, me and my partner, we are great, but it's just me and it was just the two of us. And I needed more people to really help me lay out a vision and the possibility and help me put the pieces together in my mind of how to get it all to work. And instead I took the safe route and I went and I got a job and you know, if I had stayed in Pittsburgh and started flipping houses and whatever, then it would have just set me on the entrepreneurial path much sooner. And, you know, I, I think that that is why it's so key to make sure that you are constantly looking for ways to expand your mind and expand the possibilities that you have for your life and surround yourself with people who are going to push you to that next level. Right. And uh, so along those lines, then what are the, what would you say three of the best tips you can give or advice to a woman who wants to succeed or get started in real estate? What would be the three things you said you would say? The first tip I would give is start listening to inspirational podcasts, podcasts that get you jazzed that are like, wow, look at these people are doing that. That's so cool. And then just keep filling your brain with all these examples of people doing things that you think were not possible for you, but are intriguing to you and maybe something you would want someday. And so like really filling your mind and you can do that so easily these days. We just have so many opportunities for content that's inspirational and helps you figure out, okay, how do I get to, you know, how does this person do it? Um, so that's num tip number one. Number two is get yourself to a, some kind of live environment where you're surrounding yourself with people that um, are really on the growth path, because it's great to consume, you know, via podcasts and via books. And I did that in the beginning. And I think that's really great primer. But once I actually went to one of those live events um, where everyone, the room is just like on fire and everyone is really jazzed that just really helped me get the juice that I needed to just keep going on this path. And then the third thing that I would say is that 
you got to start taking action, right? Like take action in some direction. If it doesn't work out, it's fine. Like for example, I did digital marketing and that I didn't end up continuing on with that, but it did get me on the entrepreneurial path. And I did learn a lot. And all of that is still very useful to me today in the space that I'm in, but, and I, and it, it got me going. Right. And so you have to be willing to pivot sometimes, but like just taking action and being willing to learn from that action and grow and improve a little bit every day. And, um, you know, there's just, if, if you live in the mindset world, like mindset is really important, important, but a lot of people like to kind of camp out in mindset and just feel good because it does feel good. But if you don't take action, if you don't start feeling the pain of not making progress in your life, then you'll never get anywhere. Right. No, definitely. Yeah. Then a lot of what you said is about being around the right like-minded people and also, you know, feeding yourself with information because, you know, we all get discouraged. We all, all get in our own way. Right. And, uh, and so what are you working on right now as far as projects for real estate? Yeah. So we're investing in, I'm looking for Deals. So right now we're in a volatile interest rate market. It's July, June of 2022 and things are changing, but we're still always looking for deals. And we're looking at multifamily, mobile home parks, industrial, self-storage. And I'm looking for the best deals to invite people to participate alongside and alongside me and the rest of my investors. And it's a really exciting space to be in. And it's a way to put your money to work so that it's diversified outside of the stock market. It's a hedge against inflation. And these are deals where you can count on um, capital preservation because we take a conservative approach to them. So we're not over leveraged and we're able to, um, it's a place to keep your money where it's going to appreciate and also cash flow even through a recession, if that happens or when that happens. And that's what I'm working on right now. And so a big passion of mine is educating people, helping them understand the space, helping them feel confident investing in it and helping them um, build out their investment portfolio so that it is reflective of a savvy investor's portfolio that's well diversified and um, has is potentially on the path to allow them to achieve their goals, whether their goals are to be work optional one day or retire early or make sure or build generational wealth for their families and their kids or pay for college. So whatever that goal of the investor of that person, we work towards building their investment portfolio so that they will be able to achieve those goals on the timeline that they want to achieve it. Right. And I would always tell people with real estate, you know, yeah, of course we're going to have, you know, we have ups and downs in the in the economy, in the market, you know, call it recessions. I don't like that word, but, you know, that's what we call it. It's a big adjustment, that's all. And the the thing is, it's like, as an investor, I trust real estate, I say, more than I trust Amazon. You know, (laughs) people are always going to need a place to stay, right? And either it's an apartment, either it's a house, a mobile home, even RV parks. You know, I have an RV and, you know, RV parks are full now everywhere. So the thing is... uh, people are always looking for shelter and they're always going to need shelter. So being real estate, look at it as a long-term, right? Um, You know, you're going to have cycles like stocks. 
you go up and down. You're supposed to buy when things are down and you know sell when things go up. And so I tell people, instead people do the opposite, right? They buy when real estate is up here and then they panic because real estate goes down here instead of looking at the five, 10 years uh, span. But yeah. that's the thing, you know, it's just like you put your money in real estate. I've, I trust real estate to put my money. I have stocks and bonds and I don't trust those. But real estate is something that's tangible. You see it, you know, it's something that it's always going to come back even more, even if for tough times. So yeah, definitely is to have that type of vision that you shelter yourself from the ups and downs of whatever happens in the world, right? Precisely. So, right? so how can people find out more about you and reach you, especially, you know, if they are looking for investing or also more information? Absolutely. So folks are willing, or if I'm on LinkedIn, Suja Sham, S-U-J-A-S-H-Y-A-M. My website is www.lux-cap.com. So that's L-U-X-E-C-A-P.com. And, you know, if people want to give me, uh, send me a text or give me a call, I'm happy to take calls 650-804-8043. Great. Love talking to people about real estate and hearing their goals and seeing whatever it is that they want to work on or work towards. Right. No, I think you can offer so many possibilities, you know, help people with Airbnb and rentals, but also syndication. I think it's a great way to put your money to work. And especially I love the fact that, you know, I like to work in syndication myself because even as an investor, I don't have to worry if somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. They send me a report. That's all I want to know. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to be the day-to-day uh, dealing with that. So that's a great way to get your money to work. Great. Well, thank you for spending this time with us today. I'm sure you get a lot of golden nuggets here. Um, you know, there is a lot of takeaways from this because I think a lot of women find yourself in your situation where, you know, they are brought into a corporate job. They go through a time where they don't even see why they're doing this anymore. They're looking for something else. And then, you know, it's kind of like you take, you took this two years, you know, of like, I was reading actually the other day, the book, Eat, Pray and Love, right? So it's like, yeah. you know, you take this, uh, you go out there and, and do these experiences around the world. And sometimes we need that. We need to take a step away and say, okay, I need to breathe for a minute before I know what's my next path. And then if you trust the universe, something is going to open up. Something's going to happen. It's going to get you, okay, this is what I need to do and why. And then you're going to find a second wind in your life to do that. So great. Thanks for sharing your experience. I'm sure it will inspire a lot of women out there. And any final words? Um, that I think that's all, Laura. I just want to tell people, keep going for your dreams and just know that it's all possible. And if you just keep learning and applying what you learn, taking action, you will keep making progress to your goals. Thank you. Great. Thanks, everybody.